Are you ready to tap in to your power within so that your business can reach its truest potential? Hi, I'm Candace Haza, and I help business entrepreneurs access their inner GPS so that their business can grow and thrive. You are here to serve and to create an impact in this world. Welcome to the Intuitive Business Podcast. So hi, um, I'm here today on a beautiful sunny day in Lancaster. Um, We have this beautiful wind and the sun is bright and um, the flowers uh, on my trees are all white in these little white blossoms. And I'm sitting here with some celery juice and a friend today. So I brought a friend to talk about kindness. And I'd like to introduce Linnell. So can you, she would like to tell us a little bit about herself now. Thank you. Thank you, Candy, for inviting me to join um, you today to talk about kindness. It's a real honor and I'm humbled to be able to be invited in and really share this sacred time together. And um, so thank you. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you. And I would just say that um, I'm Linnell Trudelet, and I, um, I do all things relationship, um, uh, relationship with other people, relationship with yourself, relationship with the divine. And I've, what I found is if any one of them isn't working, there's, it impacts all the other relationships. And so um, oftentimes people come to me wanting to work on a relation, an external relationship with another individual that isn't quite working right. But then what we discover is that there's some things in ourselves that we need to sort of heal in order for the relationship to transform. And um, so that's come out of my own sort of healing journey that I had to go through myself. Um, and, um, and I guess really my my passion and my purpose in life is really to just call out your best. Um, nothing brings me more joy than to call out what people oftentimes can't see in themselves and um, just haven't even yet discovered in themselves. And so um, just calling out their best, that's, that's what lights me up in life. <laughs> oh my goodness, that sounds so juicy. It just sounds so perfect for what we're talking about today. So as you know that this is my second pillar of a subset of the intuitive business, and it's talking about how we can support or how we can grow into certain areas of our lives and how most especially that we're going to teach the children in our lives. So um, Linnell and I were just having a little conversation before we went live and we were both talking about our divine guidance and I was divinely guided to invite her on this second pillar of, you know, who to bring into your neighborhood come moving forward after this pandemic. So right now we're in the middle of the pandemic. We're all on lockdown. Um, and it's so nice to see a beautiful face, Linnell and she and I've had associations together through what's called the dots which is an organization for female leaders. And I was kind of leaning into what do we really need to know 
as we're birthed into this next iteration of ourselves and in society. And my guides really pushed hard on talking about the children. And so when we talk about the children, and right now, since we're all kind of stuck at home, what are some things that we can be working on for ourselves and our children regarding preparing when we go back into this world um, about our relationships and kindness? So, yes, I love that question, um, specifically in the focus around children because they are our next leaders and um, they observe us. And so how we move through this pandemic out onto the other side, they're watching. So I love, love that, right? As we kind of do the work in ourselves and then be that model for children. I think the thing that I have sort of discovered for myself around kindness, um, which um, I, I wouldn't have, five, 10 years ago, I would never have thought of myself as a kind person. I, I, um, I wouldn't have described myself that way. And um, more recently, I've been hearing that more often. And when I stopped to think about what is kindness to me and what do I value as kindness? And, and um, the thing that really comes to mind for me is that I think deep down after our physical needs of shelter and food and safety are met, the deepest need that we have is to be seen and to be heard to be understood and to be acknowledged. We simply want to know that we matter. And that's what I have developed over time in my work with my clients and also in my own life. It had to start with myself. Like I didn't even used to be present to myself. I didn't even used to acknowledge myself. I, I was racing through life so fast that I wasn't present to my own feelings. I wasn't present to my own experiences. I wasn't present to my own self. And so if, if you aren't present to yourself, you, you cannot be that for someone else. Um, and as I did the work on myself, that is the way that I start every single interaction that I have with a client. It's my intention that you feel seen and heard and understood and acknowledged. Because what, what you have to offer, what your experience is, it really matters. It matters. It matters to you and it needs to matter to the rest of us, right? If you feel compelled to share it, then it matters. It matters to me if it matters to you. Um, so I think that's what kindness is to me. And then any other actions that come out of that um, are just sort of the overflow of it. But that's what kindness is to me. Wow, that's beautiful. I really like that we're talking about a multitude of things. And the first of all is kind of our primary needs, you know, shelter and food. Because right now in these uncertain times, they say that there are six human needs and it's for um, love and connection, 
It's for variety, it's for certainty and uncertainty. And those are kind of our personality traits. But the next level is that growth and contribution. And that's where the spirit comes in. And I so love, I'm kind of going backwards a little bit when you said about the divine, you know, like when the divine speaks to you. And I want to talk a little bit about that because of course, this is the intuitive business podcast. And I want to talk about when the divine speaks to you. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Certainly. Um, I know that for each person, it's a little different. Um, and uh, for me, uh, the way it's, it's very different all the time. So one time words jump off a page at me and they like, they arrest me and they make me stop and they make me ponder. And then like I, they take them into my being, so to speak. Another time, um, like I'm just guided to a certain book on the bookshelf or I'm guided to make a call to someone or in my work with clients, a lot of times um, the next question, it's like, I feel it deeply, like this is where I need to go. Um, or, and I like to call it really listening in the gaps for what to give next, especially when I'm working with a client. Um, so I'm listening really intently. I'm listening for, um, the details that the individual sharing, I'm listening for the heart and the feeling of what the person's sharing. I'm listening for the deeper struggle. I'm listening to the divine and I'm listening to my own um, feelings and experience of what this person is experiencing or sharing with me. And so I have to give my absolute fullest attention. I eliminate all other distractions when I do that because I cannot listen to all of that at one time without eliminating a lot of the other stimulus types of things. Um, so that means a quiet space. That means, uh, you know, very little uh, on the walls right where I do my calls and just very minimal so that I am 100% there and 100% fully for the person um, in that time. So that's how I can sort of speak to it's, I, it's different every time, you know, I just, I sometimes feel a color or um, that I don't have a formula, <laughs> to be honest. And, uh, but again, it is learning to trust what you're given. I think um, sometimes it's just a deep knowing, sometimes things jump off the page at me. I don't usually hear voices. Um, I know some people do, or some people smell things, um, but for me, it's usually like something grabs me deeply, or uh, it's this deep, deep knowing, or like, I just know that that's the next thing because it was given to me and it, it feels like it's from outside of myself, if that mm -hmm. makes sense, or yeah, way deep within myself or something. Mm -hmm. So you're, you feel it inside of you. Sometimes it's always different, but Tell me how you act on that feeling, like whatever it is and however it comes to you, what makes you think, gee, I should really do this? Um, well, one of the things that I have come to discover is there's a difference between sort of like my head 
desires, my heart desires, and my soul desires. And, and the thing that I've come to realize is sometimes my head and my heart can deceive me. <laughs> um, but when it comes from deep within my soul, it is grounded, it's mature, it's um, secure, it's, um, it's at peace, it's not... Um, there's no frenetic energy. There's no like, oh my gosh, I should do this. You know, which I often get a lot of ideas, a lot of ideas from my head. And I'm learning to just really plant them because if it's from my soul, it feels really different. And it just keeps grabbing me and grabbing me and bringing me back to it. Um, if, it's a, if it's like an idea that I'm supposed to act on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. So... I want to go even backwards again, because one of the things that you said, and I absolutely loved it, is that you were saying about five years ago, you wouldn't have thought that you would have been um, invited to speak on kindness. Mm. So tell me how you think that, like, for instance, when I thought of doing this pillar for kindness, you're intuitively, you know, I, I was meditating and your name was given to me literally from, you know, my own sense of divinity. And I thought, hmm, yeah, she does feel like energetically the kindest person I know. So why do you think you're kind of being dubbed kind of something that's new to you, or at least you felt it was new? Um, that's a good question. And Maybe I should start with um, why would I not have described myself as a kind person five, ten years ago? And I guess I need to backtrack with just a little background. Um, I spent 20 years um, managing a large, large costume shop, and it was go, go, go. I worked all the time. I was a workaholic. Um, I, work was my drug of choice to not feel things. It was a defense mechanism. Um, it was a way that I numbed. And um, I was respectful and I was polite and I considered others. Um, but I still had a very assertive, aggressive sort of personality. And if you would have asked me who was kind, I would have said my husband's kind. Like, he's the kind one of us two. Um, and I, after 20 years, you know, at some point, uh, my own relationship with my husband, Rob, was starting to crack. And there was, I, I was like, something's got to shift and change. And in all honesty, it kind of got worse before it got better. And a lot of that was that I had to kind of do my own work. I had to do a lot of inner healing from... Um, just uh, as a five-year-old, I was um, physically hurt by another little boy in the church parking lot and um, didn't realize how all that impacted me, impacted my relationships. And um, so a lot of subconscious things um, and beliefs got formed around that, that I had to sort of do a lot of work with to transform. And... Um, I think that experience um, made some subconscious things got formed and then 
subconscious beliefs got formed from those, you know, sort of perceptions or whatever, that it wasn't safe to be seen. My voice didn't matter um, because I specifically said no to this little boy and what he wanted me to do. And then he still physically hurt me. And um, so, you know, it wasn't safe to be seen. Men aren't safe. Um, it, my voice doesn't matter. Uh, there was a whole lot of things that I had to sort of unpack from all of that. And when you're willing to do that work, um, when you're really willing to be present to yourself, then that kindness you show to yourself, like I don't, I don't feel like you can actually be really kind to others um, until you've actually learned to be kind to yourself. And I guess what I really did was a lot of allowing myself to be seen and heard and understood and acknowledged by myself. And in that work, that then became what I can give to others, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. As long as we don't, we continue to sort of just live out of those old patterns and beliefs. And then, you know, out of our beliefs, all of our behavior patterns stem so that was the, you know, the work, work, work to just be my drug to numb and to, you know, that kept me stuck, so to speak. So, wow, that's really a beautiful share that you saw all the way back to your five-year-old self. And I really believe that five-year-old self, that kid inside is that unconscious mind that, like you said, it's our belief systems. And that's what propels us um, on our actions and how we show up. I want to I wanna go back to how we show up and to the five-year-old self. So if you could talk to your five-year-old self, because remember, we're talking about children today and kindness. And so first of all, what would you say to the parent of the child? And then the second part of the question is, what would you say to the children right now? about showing up with kindness. So as a parent, what would you say to the parents, I mean, about the kindness? And number two is what would you be telling the children who might be listening about kindness? Mm -hmm. So good, 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 good questions. Um, so first to the parents around kindness, I think that I would just say, it's super important that when your child has experienced something that was negative or something, someone else said something hurtful or did something hurtful, that you create some space where you give them your full attention, you allow them to be fully seen, fully heard, fully understood, and fully acknowledged. It doesn't mean you agree with them completely, because you may have seen something that your own child has done, but that child will not be able to hear anything that you want to help them correct until they have felt fully seen, heard, understood, and acknowledged. Once that has happened, then you can share anything else that you need to because they have been opened up. There's something around a person being able to express themselves. So my sister just shared an experience. Um, her son 
uh, is, I think, 13, and he was at their family greenhouse and with the, the father, and he heard um, an uncle say to his father some very unkind things about the boys and their work and sucking money from the business. And I just reached out to her and I said, it's super important that you have, you sit down and you have a conversation with him. And first you ask him like what he heard and let him just share what he heard. And then what did it make you feel? And let him just express what it made him feel and acknowledge what he's felt. Like it's, it's not just about letting them express it. So, oh, I hear that that really felt painful and hurtful. And you know what? I think I would have felt the same thing if I were you. So first of all, let them express what they heard, what they experienced, then what they feel. And then from there, um, really just help them understand that that individual who said hurting things is a hurting individual. Um, and then from there, just um, talk about sending kindness and love and forgiveness to that individual because ultimately they're a hurting individual in the same way that this hurt you. And then if, for instance, if there would be something that the child did to evoke something with another child or something, then I would ha take that opportunity to share lovingly about what they might have contributed to the pain and the problem. Um, but I think, again, unless we absolutely, you know, start with giving them their undivided attention, like we, may, we give a mixed signal when we try to have conversations and do th things at the same time. Um, it's, it's like, well, you matter, but you don't fully matter, right? Like there's other things that are more important. And so people, when they feel like they have, like in this moment that they matter, they will open up to all kinds of things. I have seen team members, um, when they feel like they have gotten to contribute ideas and perspectives about a decision or moving forward, they will buy in, even if that's not their choice, because they felt heard and seen and acknowledged. Um, so it applies whether you're in the corporate world with a team, whether you're working with a child, it, it applies everywhere. And really just even in our day-to-day -day adult interactions as well. I think it's the most loving kind thing we can do is to really just give full undivided attention and allow a person to be seen, to be heard, to be understood, and to be acknowledged. And then I guess the second part of your question was, what would you say to the child? And again, I would ask questions of, I guess, sort of what I just described with my nephew as to like what they heard, what they experienced, how it made them feel, and what would they have rather have heard? And what is something they think that they could do to move forward? Again, I, I am about empowering individuals because those answers are within them. And the more that um, we can ask them questions, even if they don't have the answer, if we can empower them by asking the question, they're going to rumble with that question. And maybe we come back to it when we put them to bed and we ask that question again. And maybe by then they'll have gotten something or we come back to it the next day. Um, but I'm a firm believer in just asking a lot of questions because people have the answers within them. But they're so used to just 
someone has the answer because it's quicker and faster and easier. <laughs> um, so even that's kindness, I think, to, you know, ask questions rather than just always giving an answer, so to speak. I really love what you're saying about this because, you know, our main theme is kindness and here's what your answers were. I wrote these down. So that's why I'm, I'm looking down. We're doing a zoom call um, because of the pandemic. So I'm looking down at what I've written and I wrote, um, you know, make sure that you give somebody your full attention, not partial intention. And even Linnell takes all the pictures off the walls and so that she's fully focused and fully present and make sure that they feel seen and heard and acknowledged. She also is saying she believes in empowerment and asking really great questions because the answers are actually within all of us. So with that premise and that baseline, I want to talk about where we're at in society right now, because right now we're, there's a lot of TV happening and there's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of fear. And I just want to talk a little bit about as, you know, as parents, how can we manage our fear, but yet be realistic in front of our children because I believe, uh oh, I just lost her. So with the wonders of uh, technology, we were paused for a moment, but the question I was asking Linnell was, while we're home right now with our children in this very weird time with the pandemic, what, will we, what things could we start doing to start wiring kindness into ourselves and into our children, bearing in mind some of the thoughts that she's already said, like fully, you know, full attention to being seen and heard and acknowledged. So let's talk about those things and how we can behave in our homes while we're stuck in our homes a bit so that we can reinforce some of these behaviors. I love that question um, because there's no better time to actually practice kindness than when we have more time than we normally do, meaning like we don't have the commute times, we don't have all the extra things that activities and things. So we're given this precious gift of time to really learn the art of being really, really present. And um, so when something happens in the home, to stop, to pause, um, and to really be present. But I think another thing that um, we can do is, you know, around the dinner table, we don't need to rush off, right? And so that's a place where we can start being present to like, how was your day? And what did you experience today? And how did it make you feel? And giving each one an opportunity to speak. And even if there's multiple children in the home, letting them know that this is how we express kindness to our siblings by listening and we're each going to get a chance. And um, I think learning to teach that whole art of being really present, we have no better opportunity than right now around our dinner tables um, because it's not like we're going to race off to some sporting or extracurricular activity. We've got more time. 
And I also think, you know, I certainly didn't grow up in a home where we talked about our feelings and what was going on, but that is a whole part of ourselves, not just, some people are wired to be more feeling people, some people are wired to be more thinking people, and some people are more wired to be more doing. And I think it's a place where we can blend all of them and become more whole using our whole self because we we all tend to gravitate to one but then that means that another piece sort of gets a little bit more protected or um, unused and in my case feelings was the one that you know uh, kind of I put to sleep you know I put that to sleep through work and so had I grown up in a home where we sat around the table and every day we talked about our experiences and our feelings from the day I would have been a little bit more used to expressing myself and my feelings instead of stuffing everything, burying everything. Um, maybe my healing would have come sooner. Who knows? I don't know. You know, but I think that's a way that I think there's no better opportunity right now than to start that practice of kindness through being fully present to each other. And, and that's the gift that we're being given right now. I um I love what you're saying about this because the other thing that I want to, I want to review some of the things that you said. And first of all, is sitting around at the dinner table. So right now in our family, my son has an injury he's healing from. So we've been, we've been doing something we traditionally don't do, which is taking our food to the couch so that we're with him because he can't sit at the table. But I want to reiterate how important number one, sitting at a dining room table and number two, a table where you're looking at each other. So we also have a breakfast bar where we're looking straight ahead. And then that doesn't really give permission to connect. And so here's why I did this segment of the podcast is for this reason right here, right now, is to reestablish patterns that might have been old ways of living in the past. For instance, there was never a time that my family didn't have dinner um, at the table, except when my dad worked three to 11 in the mill. And then my mom would talk to my grandmother <laughs> and I would eat at like this little, this little makeshift table and I would have a TV dinner. And that's the only time that that would happen. And I kind of look forward to that minus the TV dinner because it kind of gave me my space. But in the same token, uh, the other thing I love that you said is we're not running off to all these events right now. So those that are listening to this podcast, reinventing times of past and now making them a more consistent part of the future is what I think is needed. And the other thing that I like, so I just, I want to actually pause and say this. Having dinner at your dinner table is vital in growing kindness in your family. It's one of the pillars inside the pillars. It's having dinner and sitting and being present with your family and each of you taking turns about how are you doing? How was your day? How are you thinking? How are you feeling? So engage them with all their modalities of how they connect. Kind of like I always say intuition is a muscle. I kind of hear you saying kindness is a muscle. Is that, is that true? It's something that needs to be exercised. 
Yeah, I would, I would definitely say that it is a muscle that needs exercise. Like it's not just something that we um, intuitively do. It's something we have to cultivate. It's something we have to practice. It's something, so like in the way that we go to a gym and we have to practice, we, we you know, continue to strengthen that muscle. To get good at something, we have to keep practicing it. We have to keep doing it. Um, it can eventually get to the point where it becomes a new way of being, but that doesn't come without, without work. That doesn't come without practice or strengthening it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I really agree with that. And the other thing I, I kind of want to go back to this dinner table a little bit. Um, many years ago I was getting my haircut and I remember the guy saying to me, I'm like, Oh, I love Christmas. And he said, why? And he got really kind of a little nasty about it. He said, we all go to our own religious service that only we believe in that religious service. So if you're Catholic, you go to the Catholic mass. If you're Baptist, you go to your Baptist mass. If you're Presbyterian, you go there. And he said, then we spend it with our families, one circular, secular group. And he said, it's, it, he wasn't seeing Christmas the way I was seeing it. And so I usually would do something with the homeless shelters every year. And I had already done that. Like we had already contributed to the homeless shelter with the people at Millersville University in the residence halls. Mm -hmm. But when he said this, it almost became a personal challenge for me to invite a homeless family into my home for Christmas. And that year, I remember I especially wanted my son. I always saw my son coming and um, who eventually did come. So I invited this family to my house and they had little children. So I was through the roof. I made this lovely dinner and I said to everybody, okay, now it's time for dinner. Everybody take a seat. Guess what they couldn't figure out what to do? Where to take a seat. They didn't know how to sit and eat. Mm. They were completely overwhelmed with the concept that you sat down as a family and you ate. And the next thing that we did is we said a prayer, which that was again, awkward. <laughs> and then somebody spilled their juice, one of the kids. So it was, it was a whole hot mess, but it was absolutely cool. One of the children was handicapped and he was shoveling food in his face so quickly that there was as much food underneath him as in his mouth and on his plate. And he kept saying, this is the best food I've ever eaten. And my food, my cooking is good, but it's not gourmet or exquisite. So I think what he was enjoying not only was nice warm food that probably tasted pretty good, but it was the atmosphere of being in a dining room and sitting there and eating as a sense of a family. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you brought this up because Again, this pillar of kindness, I love that you're saying kindness begins, you know, with the questions that we ask each night at the dinner table. And so I'm inviting people now to think about how can you live your lives differently after this pandemic? Does each one of your children have to be in basketball, baseball, and football all at the same time while they're in band camp as well? Like, is there a way that we can reduce the stress in the family? Like Linnell was saying that she would shut down. 
She was just in performance mode, get it done, get it done, get it done. And that didn't leave the space for the heart connection. Is that what I heard you saying? Yes, it's exactly what it was. There was no space for the feelings and heart connection at all. I mean, it, it, my relationships were, um, again, I wasn't, I wasn't rude or disrespectful, but there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of, um, things were kept more to the surface. It's about what needed to get done and, you know, stimulating conversation about the news and, and, but, you know, God forbid we go to the heart space, you know, and now like, I love that, right? Like, I love hearing how people are feeling and experiencing. It doesn't scare me or threaten me like it used to. Mm. Wow, that's a really, that's another huge distinction is leaning into your heart space. I know um, our family, when we would have family dinners, I noticed that we didn't know how to do that anymore. Like mm -hmm. the last couple family dinners that we've sat down to, which isn't very many anymore, where my daughter came in and her husband came in and I don't, I guess we were having Thanksgiving and I just felt like our conversation was off. Like somebody was talking, then it was another disjointed conversation. So, oh, I'm, I'm not telling you the truth. It was before Thanksgiving because what I decided to do for Thanksgiving is I bought these little cards and I went to amazon.com and it was just um, cards that prompted a question. And it wasn't necessarily of your heart, but wouldn't that be cool to look on Amazon and find some heart-centered questions? But it was kind of like, tell me your most, something that you're the most proud of. And each one of us got a turn. And guess what that ended up doing? It just reprogrammed and regaged our conversation. And it was really wonderful, smooth transitions, smooth conversations. So what I'm trying to say is we might need to practice this a little bit. And we also might need some help or some prompters. And I think the, the card deck was like between 11 and $13. Like it wasn't a real big investment. Mm -hmm. But I like, I like that, like being open to your heart and really leaning into how you're feeling. I think another piece um, that I think is important is something that I like to call um, setting the table for conversations. And we set the table as a means of communication about how we're going to eat. We don't just set the pot on the table and then all dig our hands into the pot, but we actually, um, setting a plate down, setting silverware down in a napkin, it, it communicates, it's the pre-communication about how we're going to eat this meal. We're going to put food on our plate and then we're gonna use these utensils to eat with. and. So when I talk about um, setting the table for a conversation, I think a lot of times we're in a, um, a stressful time where things are changing left and right and people are just expressing themselves. But one of the ways we can be really kind to ourselves and be kind to others is to actually Again, I'm using that analogy of setting the table for a conversation is 
prepare the person for what we want and need to share. So if I had a really rough day and there's some things that I'm feeling stressed about, some things I'm fearing, some things that I'm worried about, it might be the kind of thing where at dinner I will, you know, just tell Rob, like, I want to talk about some things. I feel really vulnerable talking about them and I'm a little bit scared, but all I really want to do is express my heart and I don't really need to be fixed. I just want to be heard. I just want to be seen. And so basically I am setting the table so that it's not like a fastball coming out of left field for Rob that he's going to react to with how to fix my situation. Um, and so he listens on a whole different level when I actually can sort of give some pre-communication instead of just reacting. So that's, that's a way I'm kind to myself, but I'm also kind to him. So the more that we can do that with each other and just say, you know what, I don't need you to fix this. I just want to talk about it. Or um, I am actually looking for your input, right? Like I want to share something that I'm really struggling on how to figure out. And I actually would like your input because then they're going to be thinking on a deeper level as well versus just, again, maybe reacting. So, you know, if you are struggling with something that you come, uh, you know, maybe some people are still outside of the home working and they're coming back into the home where everybody else hasn't been working. It might be the kind of thing where they communicate, I want to talk and when would be a good time to talk, you know, so that the individual knows like, oh, they want my undivided attention here. This is not like, a, you know, they're not going to throw a, a curveball at you that you're going to just react to. So I think, again, that concept of setting the table for conversations is another way of being really kind to yourself and to the other person. Wow, that's really cool. I like that. I really like how you prepped uh, your husband, Rob, for what was going to come as well. Um, a lot of times, gentlemen, I'm, I'm being very kind, is one of the things of nature inside men is fixing. They need to fix something. So when we're in a conversation, um, and I think where I even heard this is um, uh, the men are from Venus and the women, men are from Mars and women for, are from Venus. And I think I read this in the book where it says, guys want to fix things, but what a, really, what a woman really wants is just to kind of let it out. We really don't want you to fix our day. We just want you to hold space while we have our storm, our moment. And then once our storm happens, it's like it releases. And so preparing Rob, your, your husband, <laughs> for your storm, your release, uh, was a very kind thing to do. So I love how you shared that. And I love how men now hear that they don't always have to fix something. We just want to be listened to. And that's enough. Probably, I would say 90% of the time, unless we specifically say, I really need help figuring this out. Then game on. You're good to go. <laughs> Yeah. Is there anything else you want to contribute uh, to the conversation regarding kindness before we close out? Um, nothing that's coming to the top of my head. Okay. 
I will just say, I get, well, here I go. <laughs> Nothing more to say, but I just say kindness has to start with ourselves. It has to start with ourselves. Kindness starts with ourselves. And speaking of that, um, at the very end, I want you to make sure that you share with everybody how they can get in touch with you and in touch with the work that you do. But I want to conclude this with a little story. I want to finish the loop about the homeless family that was in our home and the little boy that was like shoveling food into his mouth. And then there was a, a one-year-old and then there was a three-year-old. She was almost four and the meal concluded and she found a step stool. She didn't ask anybody. She found it and she pushed it up to the, the, the sink and she got up and she said, I'm helping with dishes. She wasn't four. And I looked at her and I said, oh, sweetheart. I said, you're a guest in my home. Mm -hmm. she, I said, I really just want you to go and play and relax. And she said, nope. She said, you gave us a place. You gave us food. And this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And she stood there on the stool. And what I did is I filled up the one side of the sink with cold water and I had like a little drain board. And so what she would do is she dip the sudsy stuff cause I didn't want like water running and stuff like that. And it took probably 15 times as long <laughs> to do these dishes, but I wanted to honor the gift of her kindness, mm -hmm. you know, out of the mouths of babes. And so, you know, we wash the dishes and then, you know, we, she dip them in the water so that the suds would be off and then somebody else took them and dried them. So there wouldn't be any incidents so that she felt good. And then that night we took them all to mass. Mm. And I'll never forget my prayer, which was a prayer for many years, is I'd say, oh, dear Lord, please let me hold my son one of these Christmases because I knew he was supposed to come. And I had seen him literally in 1993, and this was before his birth of, in 2000. And so that evening, this little girl crawled up into my lap mm -hmm. and into my arms, and mm -hmm. she fell asleep. And when I went up to communion, I was holding this little girl in my arms. And so, you know, sometimes when we want something so badly, you know, I just really wanted my son that in that moment, I believe, and I'm going to go into the God thing that, you know, God granted me like this moment with this little girl. And even though she was homeless, and even though her family was pretty, I hate to judge, but there was a lot going on because they were homeless. Um, I, there was multitudes of things. The mother was pregnant. Uh, she had a one-year-old. She had this three-year-old. She had the handicapped six-year-old. Um, and just because of a simple act of kindness, I think, from our family, I'm just always wondering like, how she's going to take that into the world. And that's what I'm offering out of this pillar of kindness for children and what should be brought back into our neighborhoods. My contention is it should be kindness. And like Linnell said, kindness starts with yourself. So being kind to you, showing kindness, showing acts of giving and forgiving to our family and our friends, I believe is the new way of the new birth of this new future 
And I think it's going to be one of the reset buttons moving forward in this world. So any final thoughts and then make sure you share your information so that my listeners can get in touch with you. Sure. I just want to say that that is the most beautiful story of kindness and what you really gave them by inviting them into your house was the gift of being seen for who they were, no conditions, Um, the gift of being not just seen but heard just for who they were, right? The gift of acknowledging them and just uh, understanding them even if that's not your world, right? And in return for that gift of being seen, being heard, being um, acknowledged and understood, they wanted to pass that on. And that little girl was demonstrating, she was just giving out of the overflow of what she had just received. And she also gave back to you then as she allowed you to hold her. And I just think that is the most beautiful story of kindness going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And that is just a testament to you being kind to yourself, Candy, because that would not have happened if you weren't able to be kind to yourself. So thank you. Thank you for that story for all of us. What a beautiful, beautiful story. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm so honored to have you the kindness person, the kindness queen. (laughs) I'm dubbing you the kindness queen Um, because you really have such a beautiful, earthy, centered, grounded spirit. And people can feel her heart before she even opens to language. I feel the gentleness. So it's so easy to, to connect with you and to communicate with you because you feel opened. And I think that that's a beautiful way to be. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And people can just simply get in touch with me by emailing me at linnell at linnelltrigolette.com. That's L-Y-N-E-L-L-E at L-Y-N-E-L-L-E-T-R-I-G-A-L-E-T. Um, I do have a website, but I'm in the process of redoing that. And um, simply just reach out um, by email and I'd love to connect and talk with anyone. So happy to connect. I enjoy people. I love people. So it it would be an honor to connect with anyone. And and the love that you have is felt by others. So I feel your love just being around you. And I think that that's also an important gift to give our children right now when we're fearful to give them some sense of certainty And I love to hear these words. I used to call an old friend just to hear her say this, you're going to be okay and everything's okay. Mm -hmm. So you know what? You're going to be okay and everything is okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. It's so true. It's so true. Yes. Thank you again, Candy. It's my pure joy and honor and I'm humbled that you, um, your guides, gave you my name. (laughs) (laughs) They sure did. Thank you. (laughs) Alrighty. Take care. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope that you feel more connected to your power within and that you take action from the guidance here today. 
For more information, please head to CandiceHaza.com where you will find more resources to help you and your business grow to the next level.